1: From the AnteUp headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the AnteUp Poker Cast, and now here are two guys who think they know how to play poker: Chris Casenza and Scott Long.
0: It's July twenty-second, two thousand sixteen. You're listening to the best poker cast on the interwebs. I'm Chris Casenza, and I'm Scott Long. Hey, we had a makeshift home game this week.
2: Yeah, or, I kind of bailed
0: on you guys. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, we heard what you had to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I yeah. had
2: to donate to the United Way so I could go see Brett Michaels.
0: Yeah, concert. yeah, we heard. We heard <laughs> the, ga- the game doesn't start till like six o'clock, but uh, you for some reason had to leave at three thirty to meet him. So, <laughs> so uh, thanks to Gambit for uh, saying, hey, you know what, come uh, trash my house instead of Scott's, and uh, we went over there, had a nice little game, and it was really not much, not much uh, that stood out in the game. You know, it was we had. Um, the regulars, and then someone joined us later on to make it a little bigger game. But one of the things that stood out was, you know, we really played a lot of different games because we introduced the second deck again, as is we are apt to do oh, at Mark's yes. game. And we really did, we, we really didn't have a lot of trouble with it this time. Uh, you know, it just, we were cranking on hands. We had a ton of hands in this game. It, it was, it was pretty phenomenal. Um, played till about, I would say around eight o'clock. Or it was a little after seven. And, um, uh, one of the things that happened was I was playing a hand against a guy named Kevin, and we were playing Badoogie, and when a Showdown came down, we had the exact same hand. Now, that never happens in Badoogie, very rarely. So you both had the Ace of Diamonds? <laughs> no, but we both had... We both had. It was like 10-6 Deuce Ace, and I think I stood pad after the second one. He drew the third one and, and made it, and we bed, and... And we both made the same hand in Badoogie, and then Faso pipes up and says, "And you guys had the same suits too." And I was like, "Duh," you know, being funny. But uh, it was just it was interesting that you know a couple of times that happened that, that during the day where we had guys having the exact same hands in games that don't usually happen, or getting pipped on the fifth card in stud, you know, or something. It was really bizarre. Um, just a, a bizarre couple of hands during the night and stuff, but nothing big like the, you know, the big five card draw hand you had last month or yeah. or whatever. But uh so,
2: so how did you decide who got the pot? Did you do try all by combat like they do in Game of
0: Thrones? <laughs> we did actually. <laughs> and I said, Be repaired, winter is coming. <laughs> That's the only thing I know about this stupid show is a John Snow guy in Winter's Coming. I don't know anything about it, but uh, I know they got like 23 Emmy nominations or whatever as these popular shows are apt to get, but...
2: Yeah, uh, I spent her summer break binging all 60 of them, so...
0: No, I just want to say that that was fair copyright use there. We didn't uh, plagiarize anything yes, there. Yes, exactly, yes. yes, uh, yes. That, was, that was fair use there. That was nothing... <laughs> I didn't pretend that I wrote a show about winter Coming, and uh, so... Just so we know. But anyway, it's a good home game. It uh, would have been better if you were there, but uh, next month we're with you, so.
2: Yes, that's true. Right.
0: You know, don't that I, don't be any last I mean, minute, yeah, no yeah. last minute charity. <laughs> Who cares about the starving kids? <laughs> so did you get the photo? I mean, I, I you didn't say anything about the photo op, about donating the check or something. Wasn't there a photo you were supposed to do? Oh, yes,
2: yeah, for the for the hot
0: dog? Yeah. Yes,
2: do it. No, I'll send that to you for the magazine, so, if you'd like
0: to use it. Uh, yeah. Whatever.
2: <laughs> well, no, yeah, we did, we did uh, you know our, the big check thing, the Publishers Clearinghouse check, and uh, we filled it all out and took it down there and took a picture. It was fun.
0: Yeah, it might be a good photo for the uh, you know the the podcast page. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, yeah but you got you, know. you
2: know if it ends up being a slow news month on the podcast.
0: Yeah, I mean, can we put a blurry thing over your face? Because you know, yeah, yeah, we funny. want to bring people into the magazine, not huh? <laughs> scare them away.
2: <laughs> well, speaking of pictures in the magazine, if you pick up the copy of our August issue, uh, when it comes out, you will see Chicago Joe Jartuga on it. He won our uh, our longtime friend of Andy Up and our Chicagoland columnist uh, won the main event of our first online Andy Up Poker Tour series at Anti on Sunday. He gets a thousand bucks, and like I said, we'll be on the cover of the next issue of Andy Up. And several other players earned cash or player points in the 10 lead up events in the weekly winners' tournaments. And a special shout out to Keith Striker124 Custer for winning two of the lead up events.
0: Striker. So either either he's a bowler, a pitcher, or he really, really likes Lord of the Rings.
2: So what about a uh, volleyball player?
0: Could be a striker. Yeah, that's right. Or oh, no, soccer, too. Soccer, soccer has strikers. Is, yeah. I don't know. Uh, top Gun? He, he, yeah. 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 Oh, man. This guy's got just ode, we know oodles of, about him. <laughs> oodle of things that he can he could be great at we don't even know but yeah that's it was so exciting that that joe won because you know what the guy really is a legend uh in the chicagoland area he's been with us since the beginning essentially you know i mean i still remember going to chicago for the first time with you and him picking us up at the airport and just taking us to all the the landmark places and stuff. Just a great guy, and uh, always done a fantastic job for us. and And to see him win was was really kind of cool.
2: Yeah, you know, um, just uh, I've never seen anybody that just enjoys everything about poker as much as him. Yeah, you know, every time I'm with him, he's just smiling and happy, and he's saying, like, "Oh, well, Scott, guess about look at this and look at what happened here, and let me introduce you to this person." And um, it's it's just really kind of cool that he won this. and I had a lot of fun uh, putting the story together talking to a lot of friends and folks that um, that think of highly of, think as highly of him as we do. So um, it's a really great honor for Joe. and I really um, I'm happy that uh, so many people came out and, and gave the soft launch of the room uh, a try and, and sent uh, feedback to the folks. They're still collecting feedback and still making changes. So if you guys have any more suggestions, please let the site administrators know by that contact us page. And um as soon as we have some more awesome events there to announce we will. But uh weekly winners tournament somebody walked away at five hundred bucks this week. Nice. Not bad for fourteen ninety five. So. That's
0: right. That's right. Very good. And uh, like I said, just just so happy for him, you know, and he's such a good player too. Oh great. You know? sure. Absolutely. And i only had the i only had the opportunity to play with him like once or twice, but I've watched him play too, and he's just he's a real good player, so well hats off to him and congrats, buddy. And uh, also gaming regulators in New Jersey and the United Kingdom
2: have an agreement in principle to share players on their online poker networks. Many issues remain to be worked out before the markets are open to players on both sides of the pond. And meanwhile, Nevada, Governor Brian Sandoval remains miffed at why New Jersey regulators are hesitant to share players with his state. And I gotta say, I kind of agree with them. I don't understand uh, why you wouldn't start by pooling players in the U.S. before you start looking for players elsewhere.
0: It, it, that is, at least do it at
2: the same time.
0: It, it is perplexing. It, it, it's, it's odd that even they're allowed to do this. But since they're allowed to do it because it's their state, their decision, then yeah, what, what, what? Is there, there are people in Nevada not good enough? for people in Jersey? I don't understand what 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 the problem is there, Ed. I mean,
2: certainly there's more poker players in the United Kingdom than there are in New Jersey. So I guess from a player liquidity thing, if I had to pick and choose an order of where I'm going to do it, I can't fault them for that. But this doesn't seem like it's this this hard of a thing to do. I mean, I know you've got some things you got to work out between the two to make sure th- things are the same. But I would think that if you've allowed online poker into your state, as three states here in the states have done... <laughs> That you have people involved that know all the ins and outs and can sit down, you know, at a Starbucks one day and figure out <laughs> whatever the problems are and the way to make that work, or at least get close enough that you can continue that conversation at TGI Fridays at dinner. and yeah. Out that time. Yeah, I mean, that's you, you need like, like it's that complicated.
0: And, and I'm assuming that Nevada did approach them and talk about it, or somehow, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, this is in the past. Yeah. yeah. So that's the perplexing thing, it's like, nah, I don't think we should do it. Why? okay well all right then i'll accept your reason and also you turn around and go well we're gonna go to the united kingdom though well there was no harm no foul in doing it in nevada it just it i don't know i'd like to hear their 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 reasoning for this um but whatever makes it more liquid like you said i'm all for it if if jersey starts booming and wants to start being a part of our magazine in that way or part of our podcast that's that's fine with us because we're worldwide so hey Get more people in, get it more successful, get more states that want to do it. I don't care how you do it. Just let's get this game moving around this country.
2: No doubt. All right, well, our final World Series of Poker um, update until November 9. Uh, online Phenom Cliff Johnny Baggs E. will be the chip leader with 74,600,000 in chips when the World Series November 9 reconvenes October 30th at the Penn and Teller Theater. I wasn't to say that. <laughs> Uh, just because is also the oldest player returning at 51. I got to admit, I, I didn't know he was that old, so that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, for most of the nine, this is the biggest cash for them by far, and several of them have right around $10,000 in career earnings, which, of course, is a buy-in for this event, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And also, the nine has kept up its tradition of representing many nations with players in the United States, Canada, Belgium, Spain, and the Czech Republic still alive.
0: Yeah, I, it's funny, I that you brought up these points because every year when we do the the World Series recap in the magazine, I like to do these little did-you-knows to help fill the space and to give them a little extra something in the magazine. And one of the did-you-knows was that, you know, he's the only one with two bracelets. Yeah. Or with any bracelets at the final table. I mean, I'm sorry, with any, but he has two. And then one guy doesn't even have, like any cashes or anything in the World Series at all. And, right. you know, zero money won there. And some have no, barely any money won at all. Like you said, it's just, it's funny, the two things that you mentioned are almost basically what things that I mentioned. And, um, yeah, it, it it should be interesting because he's, I mean, he'll be like the first actual bracelet winner pro, right, to win the main event in a while if he wins it. Wow, yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, we, we've we talked about that every year, about well, will pro finally win? And all these other guys are pros now that they're winning these young pros and stuff. But you don't think of them as having multiple bracelets when they go to the final table you know this this guy's he's legitimately popular. people know who Johnny Bax is, you know what I mean so it, this could be the year where a a very popular sort of a list pro maybe b plus list I don't know if a lot of people know him because he's an online phenom. yeah but uh yeah, I was a little surprised when I found out he was fifty one too I knew he was old i knew I thought he was around your age or my age, but I didn't think he was fifty one um but yeah. Great. And it's close, too. He doesn't have a huge lead, so it's not like it's yeah. one guy that's going to dominate. Um, could be a great final table.
2: Absolutely. And a couple other things that happened uh, during the main event. Uh, Kyle Bacher is the buzz of the poker world after open-folding quad sevens to a slightly more than men raise in the river in the main event. After tanking for seven minutes and having the clock called on him, Bacher folded, determining that the possibility of being up against a straight flush was too great to make the call. And finally, if you thought the Pokemon Go fad that has gripped the world wouldn't take hold the World Series, what imaginary planet are you living on? Players were seen roaming the halls of Rio on breaks trying to catch monsters and tweeted out lots of interesting photos of Pokemon sitting on tables or next to dealers.
0: Okay, so moratorium on Pokemon Go, right? Is This it? Is it the last time we're mentioning it on the show? Uh, I hope so, yeah. <laughs> um, But we talked about this quad-folding thing at the home game. Did you? Yeah, and I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I'm going out. I mean, I don't care. I mean, yeah, okay, so millions of dollars are in. That's what makes him a better player than me. But really, I mean, because I think the min raise was all of his chips or something. No,
2: no, no. No, he it was, wasn't. Oh. He, he wouldn't, I mean, it wasn't even for his tournament life is one of the points oh, that most people said. Oh, okay,
0: good. That's they were saying at the home game that they said it was for his tournament no, life. Oh no, no, So if no, it no, wasn't, no, I mean, no, how do you fold? How do you fold, Really?
2: Well, yeah, it's interesting you you guys were talking about that because I uh, met a couple uh, other poker associates uh, for lunch this week and they were also talking about this too. They're like, "This is insane! How could you ever fold this?" Um, and I'm certainly not going to sit here and and defend the fold, but I will say this kind these kind of decisions are what separates the good players from the great players. So uh, we'll never know whether he made the right choice here. Um, he said afterwards, the guy told him that he did have it, but you know, yeah. Guy could say whatever,
0: right? Yeah.
2: Uh, so we'll never know whether he made the right choice or not. Um, but I, I will give him credit for thinking through a scenario that I think most people wouldn't have given a
0: even a brief second
2: to thinking. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess. It, I
2: mean, most poker players, if you have quad sevens and you bet on the river and you get raised, you're instant all in, right? Yeah. And maybe that's correct, but. I do. I do think it shows that this this is really that dividing line between the weekend warriors and the average players and the really great players, the ones that stop and think about. I mean, not you know we, we've been doing this whole this whole controversy over calling the clock or, or I mean people tanking forever, right? So yeah. I'm not suggesting that the fact that you just tank for seven minutes means you're actually thinking, and <laughs> not just a Deutsche Bank, but. Uh, I give him credit for actually sitting here thinking and thinking through the scenarios. I mean, he gave a really good explanation of why he thought the way the hand um, went down, the Queen-10 of spades or whatever it was, um, was a very strong possibility here. Um, Obviously, I think there's another possibility that he had obviously beat, I think, like, 9's full or something like that um that that would make just as much sense so i mean it's a coin flip kind of thing it's kind of funny you know we do o- o'malley's move and you know we kind of uh kind of half a joke about this it's like eh, i think i'm probably beat but whatever i'm gonna call right yeah and, and that's why i'm sitting here in my home chatting on podcast with somebody else sitting in his home chatting on a podcast and not playing the main event right <laughs> Well, I'll give him credit
0: for the thought. Now I, I do, but you, like you said, though it wasn't for his tournament life. It's like a min raise. I mean, even that, I mean, it might have crippled him or something. But come on, you're still in the tournament and you got quads. I mean, yeah, it could have very easily been pocket nines and makes a full house, which I would rate min raise somebody with, you know, second or top boat or something. You know what I mean? I, I, I just can't imagine letting quads go because there's one hand that beats you and you don't even get knocked out of the tournament for it. You know, I don't know. I mean, I guess you have to be in the shoes, but it, that's just to me. I, I'm not that good. I'm not that player to do that, or well, I'm not that bad either thing,
2: way. I, yeah, it, and and right, I, I I do think it seemed like a weak fold, or not a weak fold, but it just a, an odd fold. Let's say odd. That's a better word, right? Right. Okay. Um. But it's funny. Then I think this is kind of what we also talk about too. Is it, the people get starry eyed with quads because it doesn't happen that often, right? Yeah. But. There's no difference between having quads when there's a straight flush possibility on the board from you having a king high flush when there's an ace high flush possibility on the board, right?
0: I don't know. Is that true? You still have
2: one hand that can beat you, so why does it matter how strong your hand is? If there's still a hand out there that's a reasonable holding for someone to have, why does it make any difference?
0: Well, because yeah, of the of difficulty of a- accomplishing those two hands at the same time, the difficulty of getting those hands and having those specific, very specific hands—not just any full house, not just any straight, not just well, any flush—if
2: you had a king-high flush versus an ace-high flush, right? Just but just that's
0: that's not a very but see that's not the odds of those hands happening. Uh, the odds of making the ace-high flush are far less than making a straight flush in the but world. It doesn't
2: matter at the time. You're in the time you're talking about a hand where you have one thing one hand, and one hand that could beat it. I understand what you're saying. It's so much easier for that to happen. But right. it's still the same scenario.
0: Oh, no, I understand that there's one hand left that beats you, and it's a scenario you're in, but it's the odds of that scenario that makes you say, eh, you dismiss it.
2: Okay, I got you. All
0: right. That's what I'm saying. I know what you're saying though. I mean I, I get what you mean. I'm just saying that the odds of it happening that that guy has that incredibly difficult hand to get and I had this just sure, as I mean, incredibly difficult the hand out. That's why to have.
2: get up to 400 Exactly. So that's
0: why you dismiss <laughs> it. But it
2: still doesn't change the fact that it's the same decision I think of having a king high flush versus an ace high flush.
0: You yeah. still have to decide the my uh, yeah.
2: hand yeah. that beats you how possible it is that, that person has it.
0: It's yeah. Yeah, the decisions there—it's just the likelihood of it happening right. makes you decide most of the time. I'm shoving or calling at least. <laughs> I wow, that's not easy to do. I've never. I remember there was something with the one of the was it the million dollar one drop one where the guy had the big the big hand or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it ha- seems to be happening a lot in the World Series lately. Uh, must be that well, random card generator. <laughs> wasn't <here. laughs> Oh man. And yeah, let's stop talking about Pokemon, all right. I am yeah, tired yeah, of this. You yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm my kids are doing it now. Come on. Give me a break. All right, any updates. Sandia Resort and Casino in Albuquerque, New Mexico will host an Annie Poker Tour series this year. The five event series is unique as it will play out over several weekends. Uh two day events are planned for July twenty third, August sixth, and August twentieth, with the three day main event taking place over Labor Day weekend where the winner will appear on the cover of our beautiful Up magazine. For more details, visit Magazine.com slash Sandia, S-A-N-D-I-A. And the schedule and details for the 2016 Up World Championship at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California, have been released. The 20-event series will run from July 21st to August 7th and feature more than a million dollars in guaranteed prize pool. Uh, the winner of the $1,650 main event will appear on the cover of Up as well. All details can be found at up slash World Championship. Yeah, I probably should have updated that. Well, sorry about that.
2: <laughs> it's actually starting right now. Yeah, but, uh, when
0: but we're we're recording on the day we landed on the moon, so right. technically yeah. they're going to be able to hear it today on a Wednesday. But it is old Wednesday. to say
2: that the details have been released. <laughs> <laughs> have the details been released, Scott? That'd be All right. All right. On so Thursday. we're still waiting for the details to be we're, released.
0: We're factually correct that they have been released. No plagiarizing here.
2: Uh, but I'll be out there. I get out there late Sunday night, so folks will see me Monday, and I'll be out there the entire series. So um, I know actually Chicago Joe is going to be out there for a little bit, so I look forward to seeing him. And lots of uh, my friends from Sacramento and Northern California have already messaged me that uh, they're looking forward to. The playing in the event. It's getting a lot of buzz out there. A million dollars in guarantees is is unheard of in that area, so we're very excited about it. So come out and uh, say hi and play some, some events, and there come a couple other interesting, cool things that we're doing that are in the way too. So if you buy into the main event, there's going to be a, a cocktail party the night before as well, too, that you're invited to that uh, Matt Savage will be at. So um, lots of fun stuff to do uh, when you're not playing, but certainly lots of great tournaments and
0: cash games to be had. Make sure you take as much of Scott Long's money as you can. <laughs> uh, okay, each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at com, And if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, which specializes in poker odds and math at poker911.net. Comes from Mike in Orlando. Help me with this can't beat the rake story I hear a lot of these days. He says, I see the rake as the cost to play at someone's casino. A casino has to estimate the rake to account for operating costs and secure a profit. Pretty much the same concept as in most entertainment businesses. I was informed about the formula explaining the rake calculation and how that takes money from players' profit possibilities. I get that, but without paying a rake, we would not have tables to play at. Is it the scourge of the professional poker player's world? I equate it to the business world I am in. There are leases on properties that I know are higher than other locations, but I know I will make money there in spite of the inflated costs. Most times I know I will make more there than at a lower-cost location. Same thing for products and services. When a supplier is more expensive, I know I can keep buying from them or go to the lower-cost provider. But I have to weigh the profitability... Uh, options of staying or going. Is the above uh, the same thought process a pro-, pro poker player goes through?
2: I love this letter, by the way. Okay. Because one, I love people that understand that poker is a business, and not just from the professional player's point of view who say it's a business. I like that he respects the fact that these casinos are in business not just to allow us to come and have a nice, comfortable place to play poker, but to have a nice, comfortable place for us to come play poker and for them to make money.
0: Right. They didn't build. They're not like this, you know, philanthropic, hey, we're just going to build a casino and let you guys come and play and we're going to absorb all the costs. Of course, they're making right. money.
2: And, and that does burn my toes because people are like, oh, man, these people are greedy. They want this money. I'm like, so you get up every morning and you drive to work uh, and work for free?
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: Is that what you do? No, no, wait, hold on. I, I'm pretty sure you get a paycheck. So you're doing it to be – you want to be compensated for what you're doing, but you don't want the poker rooms
0: to be compensated
2: for what they're doing. I got it. I got it. That, that's fair. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, it's it's completely uh, ridiculous to think – I mean, some of them like to compare what other rooms are doing to what your room is doing and then say, well, if they can do it for that rake, why can't you do it for this rake? Why are you charging me more? That kind of stuff. And you know what? Hey, you're free to play wherever you want to play. But these people have determined what they need to make to make this poker room ha- work. And you know what? Just be happy you have a poker room to play in. Think about some of the states that don't even have poker rooms. I'm not saying they should be just you know get bend over. You know what I mean? But I'm saying these people are 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 putting on a wonderful product for you to go do. It. They're not going to do it for free.
2: Right. I mean, so I, I, I think what your point is is that, you know, people, these people need to make a profit, and you as a consumer have a choice of whether you decide you want to play there or not. And if the rake is truly too high, that business will not survive, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, oh. pretty much. Uh,
2: so, uh, but beyond what he was saying there, I think, um, you know, a couple of things I, I mentioned to him uh, were kind of things we talked about before is that, you know, there's lots of things to factor into. And not all rakes are apples-to-apples apples comparisons, right? So if you're comparing two rooms, and they both take $7 from each pot, but one takes $4 in rake and takes $3 for a player promotional fund, and the other one takes $5 in rake and $2 a player promotional fund, that's a different $7 coming out of your pot. Yeah. And I would argue the one that takes 3 for the player promotional fund is probably... With everything else being the same, the place that you should play because that money is coming straight back to you. Where the, those $3 are coming straight back to players in some form or fashion, where the other $4 um, are coming back to players in some kind of way, but is going to the operating costs and the profit, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So you definitely need to look at it that way when you're comparing. And then, of course, you know, as we always mentioned, you know, it is really impossible uh, to beat the two rake at a two four game long term. You know? I mean you could sit down tomorrow at a two four game and walk away the hundred bucks. So it's not that you can't beat the game ever. Right. But long term you can't because the rake you're paying at that two four is the same that you'd be paying at the eight sixteen limit game. And you're gonna make a whole lot more money at the eight sixteen game. So there's lots of things to um to look at in terms of rake. But yeah, I I I kinda get, you know, it burns my toes when people complain about the rake in general. Like ah, it's greedy.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna get myself into trouble, so I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it there. That this, this, yeah, you, you of course, yeah, they you take know,
2: rake. His other part about the pros, too, and I get it. You know, as you, if, if you were a traveling pro, right? Again, now you are running your own business. whether you consider that or not? So you've got lots of things to factor in and depending on where you go to play. Um if you have to get on an airplane and fly there that 's a cost that you don 't have if you can drive down the street
0: the right, right right right
2: and you have hotels and you have meals and you have all kinds of other expenses. Those are all part of the expense side of your business in addition to the rake that you 're paying in a tournament so you know if a particular if you 're looking at two different tournament series in two different parts of the country. You know, you're going to obviously do all your math on how much is going to cost me to fly to each, how much is going to cost me to stay in each, how much is it going to cost me to eat at each. Um, and then you're going to look at the actual rate of the tournament. And if if all those other things are roughly equal and one tournament has, is taking a much higher entry fee than the other one, then you'll go to the other one. But, um, but yeah, if entry fees are way too high, then those players are not going to get on a plane and fly there. And that casino theoretically is going to make less money because of it. so it's all business. It's just a matter of supply and demand.
0: Yeah, and no one is is suggesting that you're not going to be a discerning poker player. It's just there's no way that you're going to get a poker room that's not going to charge you something for the service, and it's whatever whatever you're comfortable paying that will determine where you go. I guess. That's... Yeah. Or if they
2: don't, you get what you pay for. You yeah. That's kind of looking at it. There's, yeah. there's some rooms that I know that take a three dollar rake. Yeah. That's great on paper. But you're also not going to have the, uh, the Bravo system and the big comfy chairs, and they're not going to bring out a plate of food for you, and they're not going to give you a free hotel room for the night,
0: right? Right, exactly.
2: So if all that stuff's important to you, then you're probably going to have to go somewhere that charges more than a $3. But you have choices. That's what's great.
0: There you go. Okay, find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game, and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been email us at podcast at com and we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled. Jason Grimes says, on the river in a casino tournament I have the nut straight and bet 2,000 with two 1,000 unit chips. And then I decide to start playing Pokemon Go. I thought we said we weren't going to have this on the show anymore. Sorry, I lied. And, uh, or get caught up listening to Seals and Crofts Diamond Girl nothing else explains what happens next I see my opponent toss in two chips and I instantly flip my hand over because I hate slow rollers I'm now just sitting there waiting on the dealer to start pushing all those lovely, lovely chips my way, but she's not having any of it (laughs) instead, she kind of glances sideways at my opponent hmm weird, I glance over at my opponent I see her hand is exposed aces, aw, bad beat for her and then I see the chips she tossed into the pot One 1,000 and one 5,000. Oh, fudge. But fudge wasn't what I said. Not a call, a raise. Now, my cards are about three inches away from me when I notice all of this. So I swoop in to yank my cards away from the dealer, while at the same time slinging a 5,000 chip into the pot and blurt out something like, no, no, I call, I call. The dealer pushes me the pot while shaking her head at me, and then I apologize to my opponent. And I start waiting for the dealer to call the floor. As I see it, I was guilty of being a moron, exposing my hand before the action was complete, and then not raising on the end with the nuts. I could even see where the dealer would have been justified in mucking my hand the way things played out. Instead, no penalty or warning or anything bad, really. Uh, How lucky did I get there? I've talked it over with a couple friends, some dealers, some players, and we think the dealer would have been technically correct to muck my hand, but we think, in the spirit of the game, that would have been wrong. We also think I should have gotten a penalty for either exposing my hand or not betting the nuts.
2: Elliot says, unless a Vaporon is spawning nearby, (laughs) losing focus while holding the nuts is quite inexcusable. Your guilty plea to acting like a moron is accepted and entered into the record. Your reaction to getting raised on the river when holding the best hand just magnified the offense and not paying attention. While foolish, it certainly seems as though you were still in possession of your cards, as turning them over doesn't imply mucking or discarding in any way. When it's not beyond certain that the cards were thrown in the muck, players in this situation should not just confiscate these hands. A warning, uh, which under TDA rules qualifies as a penalty, should have been given to you for the combined offenses of exposing your cards while action was ongoing, not betting the best hand while heads up on the river, and not paying attention to the hand in which you were participating. When these offenses occur simultaneously, it could be uh, now called Pokemon Go, Induced Temporary Moronic Disorder, or P-G-I-M-T-M-D, for sure.
0: P-G-I-T-M-D. <laughs>
2: Look, I, I nailed that. I nailed that. It's like the landing. <laughs> I don't think you did, actually, if you listen to yeah, it again. Yeah, I got a to the Russian judge there, too. Uh, further instances after the warning have been issued with warrant being forced to set a whole rotation at a minimum.
0: Now, I know you have something else to say about this, don't you? I do, but... Uh, Well, I was just going to say, I found it interesting that the other player showed her hand after raising, too. Why did she show aces?
2: Yes, exactly.
0: That was kind of odd, but go ahead. Say what you had to say.
2: Uh, No, I was just going to point out, and I actually clarified this with Ellie because when I responded to uh, Jason, um, I did remind him that uh, not betting the nuts is technically not a TDA rule. Right. I mean, obviously, it's a good form thing, and I'm not saying that you will not get penalized for it, Um, in some rooms because some rooms will penalize you for it but it's actually not an official TDA rule and Elliot agreed with me but he was just kind of caught up in his um, storytelling
0: his Pokemon prose
2: now that being said you could get a penalty for the other things as well too so Uh, but um, my original email to him is that if I was a TD here uh, I would have ruled um, his hand was still live because he didn't muck it and he reclaimed it he made the call I would have pushed in the pot. Um, I would not have penalized him, um, but I would have uh, asked him to pay more attention going forward. Yeah, and the reason is is that I, you know, I, I'm not a stickler for the rules here. I think the rules need to be applied fairly and consistently, but the TDA really goes out of the way for that TDA rule one for people to have discretion for what's in the best interest of the game. And in my opinion, there's a much bigger difference you purposely expose a hand trying to get a read on a player or affect the action of the table versus when you go to mock and your cards hit the dealer's hand by accident and they flip over. Or even in this case where you, you think the action's done and you just turn them.
0: Yeah. And, and the other thing too is if you're habitually doing this in the room and they know you for doing it, then you get the penalty. If right. This clearly is the first time our friend has done this here, then it's like, okay, yeah, you know, we're, we're, just pay attention. We need to stop playing Pokemon Go and listen to the crappy music. <laughs> you know, that's fine. To me, that's fine. Hey, we have a brand new O'Malley's Move. Here it comes.
1: Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week, we are seated in a $1 $2 Nolan at Hold'em Casino cash game. The action has been pretty steady all night, exactly what you would expect from a 1-2 game. There are a couple of Maniacs, a couple of loose passives, some Solids, and a few there just wanting to have fun. We've been playing for about an hour and sit with 250, up 50. The Blinds post, the under-the-gun limps, plus 1 calls, plus 2 folds, MP and MP1 call, hijack folds, cutoff folds, and we're on the button with the 10 of spades, 10 of hearts. With so many limpers in this pot, we want to bump it up, but we want to do so in a way that makes it too expensive for speculative hands to come along. We make it $20 to go. The blinds fold, and the only call we get is from the end of the gun. Interesting. This guy is a solid player, but can be tricky. He was here before we got here, and he sits with 400 There's about $50 in the pot, and the flop is a good one. The ace of diamonds, ten of clubs, four of diamonds comes down. The under-the-gun checks quickly, and we want to make sure we price out any draws. But if this guy hit an ace, we could really exploit that. We make it $40 to go. The under-the-gun thinks briefly before calling. With $90 in the pot, the turn is the four of hearts. Perfect. The under-the-gun checks again, and this time we want to make a value bet. $40. The under-the-gun thinks for a short period of time before tripling our bet to 120 What's going on here? What's the move?
2: It's time for hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at Magazine dot com. This week's prize is an upgrade a membership to PokerRadius.com, poker's best social networking site and home in the Annie group discussions. And one of my favorites, Rob Paul Chapman from England, that sent this in. Uh, I've had a lot of fun chatting with him over the last couple of weeks with this whole Brexit thing,
0: you know. Oh, right the Brexit, day.
2: yeah. You knew because I'm always uh, embarrassed at how uh, much british people understand america american politics and how insanely little americans understand british politics
0: yeah
2: um and i'm always impressed by that but uh but rob rob's got a good head on his shoulder so he's been helping me figure out what brexit means and um in the meantime it reminded him that he's been wanting to send us an email with lots of stuff so this
0: is part of that email every time you say his name i think he's some folk singer from like the 70s
2: Oh, well, is a bass player,
0: so... Oh, there you go. So he's musically inclined. I don't know just, whether he
2: does folk stuff.
0: Though. It sounds like Rob Paul Chapman. It sounds like somebody that, you know, grew up in the 70s playing music for, you know, pippies and stuff. I don't know. That's just what it <laughs> sounds like to me, but... All right, so what he sent in today?
2: All right, so uh, this is a hand in their uh, home game, I believe. It's the second hand of this letter, so I might have lost some information, but that's... I'm, I'll give you that much, right?
0: Well, we suck at this anyway, so it right. doesn't really matter.
2: Um, all right, uh let's see um, it's all the same players from a previous hand, so anyway, they range from beginners who, after spending a rebuy uh oh, i'm sorry uh yeah all right, so anyway, it's a home game with a range of players right Right. have uh, different skills all right, so it's six handed it's about eleven p m and one of the bands whose dressing room we uh co-opted for our game is about to come off stage, so we announce that this is the last hand of the night, nice. Also, we've been playing and drinking for seven hours. So the game is a little more lively than it otherwise might be. Um, uh, The villain in this hand is the guy who I always struggle to play against. I've got a better tournament record than him, but he's always struck me as a good player for some reason. I really struggle to play against him. I find him impossible to read, uh, which is my game's biggest strength. I play a lot on feel, uh, and my radar never seems to function well against him. We have a history in this game too. He free flop, four bet, shoved his nines in, into my aces, and spiked the nine on the river, which burned my first buy-in. Since then, he's been uh, taking the piss out of my terrible call. <laughs> so maybe that's also factors how I play this? Hopefully not. Uh, I rebought after that, topped off another half stack later in the session. So after rough start, I've rebuilt back up to a comfortably the chip leader uh, with double the amount i bought in for. Collectively, all right, so all right, recovered now. Uh, and we're in the small blind with somewhere between 900 and 1,000 units. Uh, as expected, pretty much everyone calls uh, because it's last hand, and I look down at jack of spades, nine of spades.
0: Um, so, I'm sorry, are we saying this is a tournament? Um, How could it be he's got 900 to 1,000 units? Right. Well, it's just a units. I don't know if
2: it's a tournament or what. It's a last hand, so it's, it, it can't be really a tournament.
0: Okay, so that's what I'm saying. So all right, so he has like nine hundred to a thousand skittles, skittles you know. in front of him. Okay, so uh, and do we know what the blinds were? i got- uh, That's a good point. Uh, I mean, if the blinds are you know five hundred a <laughs> thousand, I, mean, I don't know. There's no decision to make here. I don't know what the blinds are. Uh, let's
2: see. Um, I'm trying to figure this out. It's probably in the previous hand, but um, six five. I don't know, I'm gonna guess somewhere the big blinds, somewhere around five Skittles.
0: Oh, okay. So we got a ton of cash in front of us compared to the lines. Yeah. All right. So everyone's limped in, you're saying?
2: Uh so far. Yeah. Pretty much everyone.
0: Yeah, I'm limping in.
2: Alright. That would be the uh smart play, right?
0: I well I don't know if it's smart, but that's still what I would do.
2: Yes. I mean it's the last night of the night, everybody's in, there's a lot of dead money there, we got a hand that can flop big, and if it doesn't, we can get out, right? Right. Our uh, hero is not nice a spectacular hand, and under normal circumstance, I'd play this as a classic uh, completing situation, as this can flop nicely. However, as I'm the ship leader and a medium good flop could potentially get me in trouble here against so many other players, I decide to be a complete spoil sport and play aggressively. So I raised to 10, as that'll be big enough. That's a big enough raise in this game to thin the field, or ideally to get it to fold around
0: completely. All right, so it's like a 1-2 game, then, is probably what's going on. Here. Probably. Yeah. All right, so we raise a 10. Wow, out of position the rest of the way on the last hand when everyone's dying to get in and see some cards before they quit. I don't think that's a good idea. doesn't seem like a good idea. I mean, if you want to take down all their blinds and get out, you're going to make it like 25 or 30 and say, ah, I'm taking the last hand. But, wow, to just make it 10 on the last hand and everybody's already limped in, I don't think that's enough.
2: Yeah, I think probably everybody, because the last hand is going to take a shot at it. Yeah. No 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 one's playing correct poker in the last hand ever,
1: right?
0: Right.
2: So yeah, I think you're just building a pot for the eventual winner here. Um however, he only gets one caller. The villain mm-hmm. who started the hand with just over a hundred. Okay. Flop comes, nine of diamonds, eight of spades, six of spades.
0: That's pretty good for us. I mean, top pair, not a good kicker, backdoor straight, backdoor flush. And that's not too bad. Um, so there's like 20 in the pot, maybe a little more than that. See, cause of the, 26 in the pot. 26 because they're the limpers, yeah. So I don't mind this hand at all. I don't mind making it like 20 to go now. 18, 20 to go, something like
2: that. Yeah, this is, you know, uh, I wouldn't say the dream flop for us, but it's a pretty good flop for our uh, loose... Um, our loose raise. Raise.
0: Yeah, right? and we're out of position the rest of the way, so I wouldn't mind taking it down right now either.
2: And, of course, everybody's expecting us. Well, not everybody, there's only one person they the hand, but they're expecting a, a continuation bet. So this is this is what I like, continuation bet, is when I actually hit something. Right. And I have backup to it as well. And then I can bet and hope somebody just thinks that I missed everything and raises me because I'd be quite happy calling a raise here, even re-raising maybe.
0: mm
2: mm-hmm. um, And really, yeah, if we had 900, 1,000 in our stack, this guy has 100, you know, I'd
0: you're saying I'm going to go broke on this hand? Well, I'm not saying necessarily. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go broke, broke so, it, so it's okay but to. I'm
2: not too worried about if I get to that point, right? Right. With, with all these outs here, uh, plus the fact we've been not even any outs, we might have the best hand right now. Yeah. Uh, all right, so our uh, our hero says that this is a decent flop for us. Our kicker isn't spectacular, but with a big stack, I don't see any reason not to keep up the pressure against our nemesis. So the pot of twenty-six, we make it fourteen. Yeah.
0: That's that's more than half, I guess. Yeah, whatever. I and mean, That's fine. Fair, that's, too yeah, bad. Yeah. that's not too bad.
2: Uh, our man calls. I think we're good here, he says. Turn is the ten of hearts, and now we're looking at nine of diamonds, eight of spades, six of spades, ten of hearts.
0: Okay, so now we're open-ended and we still have second pair. So, even if we got some pushback, you know, I'd still consider a call, since we've got a good pair and lots of outs. Now, it's not necessarily you know the nuts anymore either but and the flush draw that is possible is not there anymore so I don't know I think I'd still bet so that's 28 more in the pot I had 26 so we got 50 in the pot now 53 or whatever 52. so um I don't know I'd probably bet like 25
2: okay I like that um all right, so it says a mixed bag of a card uh, no sign of our flush but now we're open ended and we still have a pair I can't think of too many situations where the 10 hugely helped him, so I'm happy to continue the aggression with the plan to use the stack to keep barreling with the aggression on the river if we get another blank on the river uh, if he calls here. So we've got 27.
0: Okay, well, that's good. You know, I said 25, so I'm I'm agreeing with that.
2: Yep. Um, however, our opponent does not call. He shoves over the top. There's an extra 62 on top of the 27.
0: Wow. Uh Wow. <laughs> well, like you said, I wouldn't be afraid to go broke. I don't. Let's see. So if it's twenty-seven. On top of fifty seventy. Well, let's just 70, say I go broke. I mean, not that we want to give away money for no reason. But fifty-four and 100, 162 in the pot. We have to call sixty-two to win a hundred and about a hundred and sixty-two or so. Yep. And a Second pair. I get a chance at a straight too, but might not even be good. Hmm. I don't know. I I, I might fold that. I, I don't think it's... Yeah, I might fold that. I might fold that. Cause, so we bet 27. If you take his 27, that's 54. We had basically 54 in the pot. So 108, and then 62 more is 170. You know, I mean, you're calling 62 to win 170, so you're basically getting 3-1 to one on your money, but it's second pair. It's not like you have a really decent hand with... You know, you have one card to come. I just don't know... I just don't know if I can make that call. Maybe I could, just because of how much money I have in front of me. It's the last hand of the night, and this guy's already. Yeah, you know, I want it to be an emotional decision, though. I don't because this guy's squeaked out a, a set on the river on me before to, to beat me. I don't right. want to make that the part of the decision. But I do have a thousand in front of me or so. So if I lose, I still have nine hundred. I mean, I don't know what I started with. That, that plays a lot oh, in he, my mind he's too. He's
2: doubled his combined buy-ins.
0: Okay, so he's up a bunch. So I. I Sometimes when I'm in a game like this and I'm like, you know what? I, I want to see what this guy's playing because I can never get a read on him. I'm going to study the way he looks, the way he acted this whole thing, and then call and see what that means. Sometimes I do that. And then if he, you know, it could pay down the road too for me to, to learn more about him. I don't know. Um, I think if I'm playing this hand and it's against Faso, I'm folding, to be honest. I, I think a player like Faso, if he makes this move, I don't think he's bluffing here. Um, I don't know if my nines are good enough, and I don't want to have to rely. It's one thing if I'm putting it all in and I have an out to win. It's another thing to call it, and I need the out to win. That's different. So I don't know. I think if it was fast unfolding, if it's somebody who's really loose in our game, maybe I call it.
2: Yeah, I think this is an odd situation to be in. There's lots of things going on here in my mind. One, um, I no longer think we're good right now. We're on the flop I thought there's possibility we probably were good with outs. Now I'm pretty sure that we are not good, right? <laughs> yeah. Um However, um I think we have outs one way or the other. So either our spades are good if they get there? No, they
0: can't get there now. Oh, it, are you have a nine of spades? Yeah, we had oh, I, oh, we were suited. Okay, I'm sorry. I was thinking we had one spade. I'm sorry. That's why I said earlier we couldn't get there. I, I was thinking we only had one spade. If we had the spades, I'm calling. I'm sorry. I thought we had Jack uh, I'm of Spades. find
2: Jack of Spades, Nine of Spades. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. So it is. I'm, I yeah. can't read my own writing here. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm definitely calling then, just because I've got the Spades. I even have a Jack as an out. If he somehow made two pair, um, I have a Nine as an out. If he's got two pair, uh, and the Nine's not one of them, um, even if he has a set, I have Spades as an out. Some of Spades. I have Straights as an out. Yeah, I'm gonna call now. I'm sorry. I thought we had one Spade. For some reason, I read my writing wrong. Um, so, okay, I'm calling.
2: All right. Well, so am I. But uh, beyond <laughs> that, I guess my point is that there are a lot of outs. I'm not sure which of our outs are still good, but there's still enough outs here that I'm confident with. Um, also, it's the last hand of the night, um, which I know this is the kind of stuff that, that people don't like to talk about, but it's the last hand of the night, and we're up for the night. And even if we lose this hand, we're still up for the night. So, i uh, You know, if you're accumulating chips, at some point you should be able to use them to accumulate more chips. Right. And even if that means that you take some chances that maybe you shouldn't, now you you can afford to do it, right? Right. Uh, I mean, this is like the classic rich versus poor scenario, you know? If you're rich, you can afford to invest in a couple deals that don't seem... Like home runs because hey, you know, maybe they'll become a home run and then you make some money. And if they don't, well, it doesn't really cost you that much, right? Right. Whereas if you're poor,
0: you've got to be really
2: careful about what uh, <laughs> snake oil you're buying from that salesman, right? Yeah. So here's a scenario where, you know, even if we call and we don't get there, um, that we're still going home with a nice profit. And if we do get there, now we've just made it a really good night. And we have a lot of outs. I just don't know which outs are good, but we have a lot of outs.
0: Yeah, and to get back to my 3-to-1 now, now it makes sense for me to call, I think. I know it's one card to come, but I've got flush draws, straight draw, maybe two pair wins, maybe a set, you know, a turn a set. Remember a set, I mean, maybe that, you know, trips, whatever. That counts. So, yeah, I think I think we're getting the right price now that I can't fold, especially given how much money I have in front of me. I've doubled up all night, so, you know, I'm definitely, I'm calling. Okay. Even if it's Fasso? Even if it's Faso now, because it doesn't matter. Before it mattered that I thought I was going to need to hit, or that you know the odds were kind of not there. But now that it's Faso, I still think I have outs because he he can't have a bet. He could have a better flush draw than me, but then I've already I'm already beating him. Then, so you know what I mean. So uh, maybe
2: not. He could have Ace Ten.
0: No, but I'm already beating. He couldn't have Ace. You're
2: right. Yeah, you're right.
0: Yep. Oh, he could have Ace Ten of Spades. No, you're right. You could, have, good. you could have eight ten of spades. Okay, so but I mean, there's so many possibilities now for me to still win this. If he has eight ten of spades, and I can still make my straight, I can still make another pair that he doesn't. You know, I can make my jack in the end. So I keep my nine in the end. So yeah, there's still like you said, there still seems to be enough outs there to make it worth the call here. So I'm gonna call.
2: All right, our hero says, Hmm, did the ten <laughs> really help him that much. Queen Jack. In which case, why would he have called up to that point? Pocket tens. Surely he re-raises me, unless he's been stringing me. A ten, Ace-ten, why well, call the flop? The gut shot? I have the open-ender to the flush, and I still have my nine, which I'm starting to think might still be good. Is he also chasing the flush, too? That makes sense. In which case, do I want the flush to hit? Is his likely better than mine? Is he just getting a bit desperate and trying to push me out of a pot? Uh, I'm still heading because he's down for the night and trying to ship back up on the last hand. I figure uh, that... I figured that what happens, I'm comfortably up for the night, so maybe I can afford the punt. The honest answer is I have no idea what he has, but I definitely feel felt like I was ahead on the flop, at least when I got the call, unless he's played me really well. It's like, call the extra 62. All
0: right, don't say anything yet. So when he said the ace-10, why would he call the flop? I mean, if he does have the ace-10 of spades, he's pre-flop, he limped with ace-10 of spades. Yeah, right? spades, that makes sense. Yeah, so, I mean, there is a hand there that's ace-10 that, that he does call with. So. Right. Um, You know, an ace-ten, even even, even if he doesn't believe you has two overs and you bet 14, he doesn't believe you, maybe he's trying to see, float you and hope because you're out of position, maybe because he's hoping that you do exactly what you did here, was bet a decent amount but not a lot. He calls hoping to float you on the turn, and then he hits his 10. You know what I mean? So there, there's other ways he could have gotten to that decision too uh, other than just being completely out of it. I mean, he could be just playing the player, knowing he's played you before and played you better, better than you before. When he goes up heads up against you, you're obviously confused by this player, so maybe that's what he's doing. Maybe he's floating you, and then just happens to hit his his kicker, you know, or whatever, and now he's good. And he thinks he's good, and he's going to get you to go on tilt and and shove and or call his shove, and then he's going to have the best hand. So that that's one of the things I disagree with his little analysis there. But okay, go ahead.
2: All right. Uh, so w- w- what are we putting our opponent on here? Um.
0: Uh, had to guess. If I had to guess, I would say he hit the ten. I don't think he has ace ten of spades. I mean, he could have limped with Jack-10, like we did, with Jack. Like, playing a hand like that, because like, we played Jack-9. He could be playing Jack-10. could be something like that, and we're screwed. And we have to hit the spade now, or the 9, or the straight. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think I'd put him on some. I think he hit the 10. I think he hit the 10, and the 10 was part of his plan on the flop, and I, I think he hit the 10, but I'm just guessing.
2: Okay. Uh, he turns over the 8 of clubs, ten of clubs.
0: Yeah, he has a ten. Gah!
2: Ten did help him. <laughs> the river is no help to me and I'm left uh, to Rue getting out of line the last hand of the night after a few beers. Uh turns out other people are happy to splash around too and are just as capable of hitting with one gappers but end up hitting bigger.
0: <clears throat> so he hits middle pair, calls the the bet, which is fine. You know, since you don't believe the guy and you're floating him like I said. And then we just happen to hit our our top card in our hand, make two pair. Which any seven is a straight, by the way. So that's kind of a bold shove, by the way. But, you know, I never put him on a seven in his hand. Yeah. Which I could have done, too, I guess. Um,
2: Well, it's also, yeah, exactly. Uh, Had we thought about the seven, it's also an effective semi-bluff as well, too.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, that sucks. (laughs) <laughs> but you, it's okay you can take all the money that you made as a folk singer in the 70s and, <laughs> and, and buy in again you know he's got you know he still had a big night even though he lost that he still won money so you know I'm not saying that that's the way you should go I don't think it was a bad decision on his part though to make that call I really don't even though he lost you? no
2: i think it was fine like i said again that's why we we chip up now it didn't go this way this time but if every time you chip up you still hold on to them you know like you want to be the richest guy in the cemetery then you're just not gonna make even more that's right If you're comfortable with that that's fine i'm not trying to tell people to be loose and casual with their money but um i think one of the lessons you learn in poker is those those chips in front of you are weapons yeah
0: and you're supposed to use them yeah all right. Well, don't forget, Scott's going to be in California next week, so uh, come on and say hi to him and take all his money. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Locke. We'll see you at the tables.
1: AntiUp is a production of AntioffMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiappmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiappmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.